people, leadership uh, makes a difference in all aspects of our life. And really we're seeing it now in such a yes. pronounced way. But it happens all the time, and it can be anything from the you know the quality of your day to day life to the the enrichment that you feel from your work experience to the results that you have in, into your personal life. And so, why I wanted to do it was because it is the one ubiquitous skill that transcends. It doesn't matter whether your business is painting or 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 money or food or policy or or you know military or whatever it happens to be. It doesn't really matter. Leadership is core to all of it, and it's both across verticals as well as up and down the spectrum from a class president in in middle school, um, you know, to leader of the free world kind of thing. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Really excited to be bringing you uh, a fantastic leader, uh, an educator, Mark Jesty. Um, I uh, heard one of his TED Talks recently, and I just thought it would be wonderful to bring him on to the podcast and have him share. Um, I know you're going to really, really love the podcast and talking about what machine learning, what artificial intelligence, and how that's going to impact your future career as a, as a, a you know just to give some background from mark mark has has been an entrepreneur uh for the past 20 years he was the owner and chairman of the institute for management studies the clients that he uh used to work with in that in that business uh were um hydro one uh royal bank canada uh, tangerine um and two years ago he set up a business called Excellent Squared Group uh, that is not only North American scope in scope, but European in scope with a with a new partner. And um, they are um, uh, growing rapidly. And really, he also talks about what this business and how this business is different, how this business is different and what what they're creating in this space. And I know there are just so many amazing nuggets that you're going to love. So please listen right to the end. And you know what we're up to? We're up to developing leaders. And we're up to uh, making a real difference in this crazy world that we're living in, um, all the things that are going on. So if you know of any young leaders who want the opportunity to grow, and be developed, and be challenged, uh, please send them our way. They could go to, or they could go to leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And uh, uh, again, or you could send them right to our website, studentworks.com. Thank you so much for listening. And please share our podcast with anybody you think might be interested. Have a fantastic day. So, Mark. Thank you so Thanks much for, for joining me. us uh, on the Leaders. Yes, the exactly. Podcast. I know we were speaking a little bit before the podcast. It's March 14th. Um, so right in the middle of the pandemic or what the middle is, maybe the start, who knows, because uh, this is going to get played in a, a number of weeks. Uh, 
But I was just speaking uh, and just acknowledging, Mark, that in this time um, where it's had an enormous business impact, uh, still making time for the leaders today to, to, to share and uh, share your wisdom and knowledge. So, so thanks so much, Mark. It is absolutely my pleasure. And one thing is for sure, this too shall pass. And when it does, we've got to get back to business. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know, I guess um, the, the cool thing is, is, is you are a leader, leadership you know, guru, you know, and a leadership trainer. And, and, and well, it's true. He laughs, he laughs, but well, well then, you know, some, yeah. So why don't you tell us about how you got involved in leadership training, the business that you run? Yeah, for sure. Um, I started my, I, I started my career actually at Royal Trust and Royal Bank. And right. as part of that, I was actually introduced to leadership development courses and, and the like uh, within the context of that role. And it made me really pause and say, oftentimes life gets started and uh, it goes at 100 miles an hour and you don't take time to step back and look at what habits you've created and how you do things. And you really can't be optimal until you do that. And so mm-hmm. that's when I really thought, you know, there's a, there's a huge opportunity here. This was back in 1998. Um, but I thought there's a huge opportunity here because um, people's lives, the speed uh, is accelerating and people's lives get busier. And as a result, um, fewer and fewer people are taking time to look at how they do things and the quality of it. So I just thought there was an opportunity there. Right, right. So you saw this opportunity. And so what did you do with that, you know, seeing the opportunity? Yeah. So, and I've always been a a believer that, you know, absolute optimal performers, absolute wonderful leaders and terrible on that same scale is not huge. Uh, people oftentimes think it is, and, and way too often we're a society that's prone uh, to provide attributes to things like genetics and upbringing that just don't simply, you know, simply don't exist. So uh, what I, you know, what I ended up doing was I ended up getting involved with an organization called the Institute for Management Studies, first as a student, and when right. I saw what was going on there, I thought, okay, somebody's in my chair. So uh, I just picked up the phone and said, I, I think I probably that's my next job. And that conversation turned into me actually getting that, you know, that role uh, and taking over the Canadian. So being the chairman of the Institute for Management Studies in Toronto, in Canada for uh, 20 years. Um, but what I liked best about that and why I did it was, you know, people, leadership uh, makes a difference in all aspects of our life. And really we're seeing it now in such a yes. pronounced way. But it happens all the time, and it can be anything from the you know the quality of your day to day life to the the enrichment that you feel from your work experience to the results that you have in, into your personal life. And so, why I wanted to do it was because it is the one ubiquitous skill that transcends. It doesn't matter whether your business is painting or 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 money or food or policy or or you know military or whatever it happens to be. It doesn't really matter. Leadership is core to all of it, and it's both across verticals as well as up and down the spectrum from a class president in in middle school, um, you know, to leader of the free world kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember as well, and I'm sure you know the the example because I'm sure it's a little bit of an elevator pitch, but describing, you know, one of your clients, the Hydro One Electrical uh, Engineer, and and his movement or her movement up into the leadership ranks, and where your business and where other businesses like yours, because it's a competitive field. Well, the the market that you're in is absolutely 
enormous, right? That yeah. you're competing and you're competing with absolutely enormous organizations as well. But maybe you could just walk our young leaders through how large companies, again, like the Royal Bay and Hydro One and, and others really see leadership for their key uh, key leaders and future leaders. Yeah. And I think the, the one thing, especially for leaders of tomorrow, though, you know, the one thing you really have to underscore is um, the, you know, we all uh, start our careers and we develop skills and opportunities and, and the better we are, the quicker we accelerate those. But then right. they become equal parts, our biggest asset, and in some ways become our, a small at first liability, but it could also become a big liability because every asset when overplayed becomes its own liability. And so, for example, if you have an electrical engineer going into a place like Hydro One, um, as they accelerate through their career, it really is their skills in the electrical engineering field that will accelerate them. But once they right. get up into a point, they have to learn how to disengage that skill a bit and engage a new one. But in fact, onboard it and learn it with the same passion that they did their first skill. And we see this all across the board, uh, in, including in sales. You know, yes. they, when you enter a field or uh, an organization or role that involves uh, sales, you're eager to get it up to speed and become extremely proficient at it because not only do you have personal success and organizational success, but then you have a future and you have options. But the right. more you hone that craft, the more that's a hammer and every problem you see is a, is a nail. Yeah. And so, you know, our role where we really help people is to help them disconnect from that, recalibrate and say, you know, Marshall Goldsmith's got a great book. What got you here won't get you there. Love you know, that as you hone your skills, it gets you to, to hear. But then when you want to take the next uh, step, you almost have to look at it as a completely new career. And we right. encourage people to say, okay, in this next career, what skills must you have to be proficient? And it's not things like more sales skills, uh, yeah. higher level of coding, higher level of electrical engineering. It's things like understanding strategy, helping people connect to purpose of their work, et cetera. Right, right. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I know you've worked with just you know, Marshall Goldsmith, as, as one example, the, the, the most uh, amazing thought leaders. And, uh, and that's, been, that's been really great because you've brought those thought leaders to these businesses, correct? And you'd be probably not, you'd probably be unsurprised um, to figure out that um, some of the best and brightest minds we've ever worked with are probably names you've never heard of. <laughs> right, yes. We've dealt with the Marshall Goldsmiths and, and you know David Allens and people like that, but but other people as well are are really remarkable. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So and so you you chose to go into partnership just because one of the things I love to do, Mark, is just is just explain and have our our, our leaders, um, you know, share their share share what what's moved them on, and and so you've decided to go into a business that's with another partner uh, and, and a bigger opportunity. So, so what brought you to that and what's your strategy in that opportunity? I think, um, so I think as you grow, and this, this is just my personal journey. So it, it's not to say that you can overlay it on anyone's experience, but insofar as it's helpful or illustrative, I offer this up. Um, as you're younger and you grow skills and you have success, you get this, um, in, in a lot of ways, you start to fall into the trap of false causation. So, you know, I wore a blue sweater today and it rained, therefore me wearing a blue sweater made it rain. Well, you do the same thing in your organization and with your personal skills. So you you try something and you have a positive outcome. You make the connection. As you do that repeated, 
what ends up happening is you believe that you're the one at the core of all the, of all the success. And then right. higher up, you know, it, when you go to the or, an organization and you're in charge, um, mm-hmm. there's no one pushing back on you. Uh, and there's plenty of, you know, you fall into a trap where there's plenty of uh, sound, logical reasoning as to why things don't work and plenty of praise to give yourself when things do work. And if you stay in that environment too long, uh, you, you've got this world that is in your head real, but outside world not real. The quickest way to shatter that is to find somebody who, you've, who you respect and who's aligned with your purpose uh, to partner with. Right, because you both have that reality when you come together. So, yeah, I, for for me, this partnership represented on a personal level the opportunity to really, uh, you know, excel by having my partner's uh, vision of the world and skills are vastly different from mine. But together, it's a one plus one equals three times of, uh, type of venture, and we really we've decided to shift from sort of a productization model, which it, which is what I believe IMS was, um, to a purpose-driven model. And we think that that's, you know, the, the way of the future is people these days need to see the purpose in what they're doing, in what they're buying, in the organizations that they partner with. And so when you mean purpose-driven model, how does that show up with the business that you founded recently with your partner? Yeah, so purpose-driven model means that you know past the products and kind of past the the services what is the organization trying to accomplish and so at excellent squared academy what we're doing is we're we're going to leaders saying long term we want to be partnered with you long term and we know this journey is going to have its up and downs and that your career is probably going to span multiple organizations and maybe even multiple functions we're seeing people now with engineering degrees that get directly into sales with accounting degrees that uh, you know go into marketing, so right. it's a non-linear world. Uh, and so the Excellent Squared Academy model is to say we're partnering with organizations and understanding that their leaders are no longer on a linear path. You know the old design of a pyramid for you know everybody having sort of this corporate ladder as a career path is long gone, and people are looking right. for a career path that resembles a climbing wall or a jungle gym. Uh, and so our organization is aligned to that, which is a bit of a left turn for most. For most. Okay. No, that's awesome. And so when you think back, one of the things we always love to sort of cover for our leaders is, hey, what hasn't gone right? What are big mistakes or failures you've had? Uh, just so, just so again, people can see it looks all rosy, you know, for someone looking at your, your success at this point, but what's, what hasn't gone right? So I, I just personally, I, I think, um, as you grow, especially as an entrepreneur, and you know this better than anyone, it's always a question as to when is the right time to really leverage? When is mm-hmm. the right time to go? Instead of taking your, you know, that slow incremental growth that's safe and your product and service gets better, you grow it a little. Instead of going from that model to exponential growth, when's the right time? And the answer is, in hindsight, whenever it worked for you, and in foresight, it seems like it's never the right time. <laughs> so Right. So what hasn't worked well <laughs> is gaining that experience. And there are times when I look back, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, yes. you look back saying that was really the time to have strapped, you know, put the helmet on, tighten the chin strap and gone. Just, yeah. It never seems like the right time. And certainly in this environment with, you know, COVID-19 bearing down on us, it'll, it, it's always, uh, you know, it always seems 
Like it's maybe not the right time to do it. And if you go in always thinking it's the right time, you're probably doing so with reckless abandon. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, and I totally, totally have similar experiences, right. You know, about, about what, what to do and how to grow and when to grow and, and have made many, many, many errors. <laughs> so the biggest part of leadership development is, okay, that's a good point. And you should reflect on it internally to yourself to say, okay, what does that mean to me? And am I prone to be a risk taker, uh, maybe yeah. dangerously slow, or am I on the other side of the risk uh, frame? So the so one of the solutions that people can employ is it's helpful to take somebody that's further down, you know, call them mentors, right? Yeah. And somebody who's further down the career path and get their perspective on it because it'll be different than yours and they have yeah. the the benefit of a larger time frame. Absolutely. And why we work better in teams as well. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing as well as is a partner too, you know, yeah. a partner, you know, as well, like, you know, who can really make a difference. So Mark, as you went from a teenager, a university student to a business owner, what what did you have to change about yourself? That's a uh, that's a good question. Um, as you can tell from the guitars in the back, I had to cut my hair. That was one of the. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mine's just falling out. So. <laughs> uh, I, I would say the biggest thing that I had to change was discipline, and I, and I do think that anyone who's looking at an entrepreneurial lifestyle loves the freedom. It's one of the first things that um, that attracts people. Uh, I'm going to be my own boss. I I won't have walls. The sky's the limit. All of that is absolutely true. Um, But with that comes a disproportionate responsibility and personal accountability to go through the strategy process, create a strategy, review it to make sure that it's right, then get an execution plan on that strategy, and then stick to it. Because Mm -hmm. you're your own boss, sky's the limit. Um, and you have nobody but yourself to hold yourself accountable. So I, I think if there's one skill that I had to, to, you know, really develop, I had some of it, but I really right. sharpened the, the pencil a lot in the field of discipline. That is so important. That is so important. So what key habits would someone want to steal from you, Mark? You know, I, one of the things that I've always, you know, I've done for many years that I found has had a, a really solid impact uh, on performance uh, just has been having a, a solid time management plan in place. And I know that sounds very elementary, but every house is built with a foundation before you put the first yeah. one on. If you don't have a way to elevate yourself from the day-to-day work and get out of the grind, then you really have no way to organize your, your time. And so, you know, we get, it doesn't matter whether you're on a tricycle uh, a bicycle, a motorcycle, or a Jaguar heading down a, a road, it's got to be the right road. So elevating your time and prioritizing and evaluating your work so that you're always moving the ball in the right direction. So, you know, effectiveness, um, efficiency is doing things right and effectiveness yeah. is doing the right things. I think that's, you know, that's critical. And it doesn't matter what the system is. You know, I use data balance getting things done for all my career, it doesn't really matter. As long as it works for you and it provides you this opportunity of elevation, you just need to get off the runway up to about 50,000 feet every now and then, and then look at what you're working on to make sure it's the right things. Yeah. And then, then it's then just being habitually committed to it, right? Like, yeah. so, so it's like uh, just habitually going back 
and looking and looking, going back, following those good habits that you've developed. I know I, I feel, although I'm not in any way organized, you know, I think uh, my, my wife's sure I have attention deficit disorder, but my habits drive my behavior. So I write things down. I don't, you know, I come on time, I, you know, all those things. And that's, that's based on that, that, like you said, that time management program. But Chris, I challenge you there because uh, what you've just described to me is actually you've got a system. And so your system is. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so, so in your business, right. you've got clear, defined, um, actionable items that you have to get done. And a lot of it's a volume game. So your volume yeah. game, then 90% of your plan is the habits to do the volume. But 100%. Once a year, I know you elevate, you know, take some holidays, you elevate. We, and say, you do. Oh, yeah. And then the next year, when you say, yes, it is, your time management is maybe less frequent than some, uh, but no less pointed. And then the habits then create the behavior. No, and 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 yeah, and to be clear as well, like I felt like again, I'm kind of not naturally organized, is what I meant to say. And my program works because of the disciplines and the habits. And and again, you're totally right. We step out of the business, the business runs on its own. We uh 100 have all sorts of different retreats and meetings and processes and schedules that really make it work. So um I, I told and and one of the reasons why I state that is for some people, organization won't come naturally. But in fact, organization will give them freedom. Organization will give them success. And it is just such a powerful start to everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. And people, so with this movement around Marie Kondo or, you know, around the clean mind, et cetera, I, I think what ends up happening is we, we've, and this is, in our industry is a plague, which is that fads, right? This, for some people, a clear mind, clear space, they're way more efficient. For some people... Um, you know, a cluttered space that uh, that stimulates thought on everything. That's sort of how they work. It doesn't yeah. just you be you. Yeah. No. Well, I, I'm i looking at my one computer. I've got at least a dozen tabs open, you know, and I've been told that's not what you should do, quote unquote. But for me, that's what I should do because of who I am. And like you said, me being me. Yeah. So I think that's that's so, so great. And the reason we got you on this podcast, besides um, me knowing you're amazing and really, really smart and will make a huge contribution, and he's chuckling, but it's true, and I know all our, our, our listeners and leaders were feeling that way, is that Mark actually did a uh, TED Talk, mm -hmm. and I thought it was amazing. And basically, he looked into the workplace of the future and the impact of machine learning and all of a sudden... <laughs> AI, AI, AI and machine learning. And, and so Mark, what do you see different and, and why looking into the future? Oh, wow. There's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me give you, um, you know, the practical answer first, which is we're moving from a credential based work environment to a skills based work environment. We're moving from the traditional lifelong employment with one organization to that, you know, that which more resembles a gig economy. I, right. I earlier identified the fact that people who are entering the workforce right now are not looking necessarily for a career ladder. They're actually looking for a rock climbing wall. They, they want to try something, move in different directions. None of that is sort of earth shattering news. Right. But the challenge is that there's a tremendous amount of real estate that exists between how we're getting ourselves set up for the world of work and how we're supposed to show up now. Right. And we have a very linear way. I mean, people still, they, you know, they go uh, kindergarten through grade 12, um, 
you know, they have CEGEP in Quebec, but uh, and then they go on to post-secondary perhaps. Or, and, and it's this very still linear way that we prepare people for work in what is now more like a buffet of skills. Right. So the way we're, you know, the way I'm encouraging younger folks to consider what their careers and lives might look like from a personal development perspective is, it's just kind of like a, you know, a briefcase. What do you put right. in there? And the more you put in there and the more stuff you carry around with you, that's irrelevant and it gets too heavy. You've got to, you've got to have a set that's as much as you need, but not more knowing full well that that's a, an ambiguous statement and um, but it, what it should be is you you have to review your skill inventory on a regular basis. And it is sort of this, I almost think that a semi-annual personal retreat would be helpful, even more helpful if you have a group of peers who are like-minded who will do it with you. Um, because yeah. just, you know, just like complementary skills um, increase the pool, the requisite diversity of the pool that you're operating in, and therefore your performance goes up. So too, will that happen in your personal skills inventory? So if you can find a group to do this with, and you can make it fun, you can make it a golf trip, or you can go away yeah. or hiking or whatever. But, but I, you know, we're encouraging people to do that because the world of work is changing. And as you referenced, the two things that are being added to the equation is, you know, in the 19th century, we had people did work. Then people right. got machines to do work, but people still directed the machines. And now we're, you know, we're entering a phase right now where we're about to be impacted in our lives by the first uh, wave of programs that were written by a program that were written by a human, right? So we're getting that once removed from the human. And what that's going to do is it's going to call on each of us and leaders of the future, this is a critical skill. It's going to call on us to access our higher level. Um, our higher level capabilities. So it's not enough to just crank widgets and know that yeah. I can do this. And therefore now I'm, because I have that experience, now I can manage people to tell them how to do it. That's all going away. We're going to have things like critical thinking and reasoning. And, you know, one of the things I've, I've, I've been on a bit of a soapbox about the leader of the future, we can do anything. So now we have to ask ourselves, the next wave is, should we? So oh, we can yeah. clone things. Um, yeah. We can take stem cells out and reproduce this. We there's no end to um, Facebook is is on the front end of this tsunami. They got, they just operated on what can we do? We can right. collect this from you and this from you and resell it here and pop ads in, etc. Somebody along the way in a leadership position should have been asking, should we? And I think right. the, one of the critical skills is higher level reasoning that AI and machine learning are going to facilitate is us coming to that, our higher purpose saying, okay, what should we do? And that's where leaders are going to have to connect um, the purpose of the organization with the people. The should we will become, you know, we've had mission, uh, vision statements and mission statements in organizations for many years now. It's right. all going to come down to the should we statement. Hey leaders, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. 
Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. Yeah, that's so, that's so right on, right? And, and, you know, I know, I know much like, you know, what we're facing right now with the coronavirus or what's going to happen, we have no clue. And in many ways, we really don't have a real idea of what's going to happen, right? right? And really, it's kind of like just looking at the different parts of it. So, you know, one big thing you see, or certainly I see a lot with our, the peer group I work with is the whole issue of, you know, how do they look at a degree, you know, and so how do you see a degree, Mark? <laughs> uh, it, so you're going to hate this answer at first, but I'll unpack it for you, which is it depends. <laughs> <laughs> now, we, so we believe, or I believe strongly in the fact that we've, we're transitioning from adjusting in case education system to adjust in time. And the just in case was, you know, here's a whole curriculum, everybody learns the same thing. And yeah. there were certainly many periods in, in our career at school where you're sitting there thinking, I'm never going to use this again. <laughs> and you were right. And you were right. Um, <laughs> and, and right now, you know, there are some very serious debates that young people and young leaders really should take to heart. Things like, is it required that people, that young people now learn how to write? Yeah. Right. And, and, and to what extent is spelling important? Because, because of how we're investing in the fluidity of language. There's, I mean, there's, we could talk a lot about that, but all that is to say is that we have this just in case system that tools you up and presume to send everybody into the world with a standardized set of skills. Now, we all know right. that was never really the case. Um, look at your graduating class in high school and you could see a whole bunch of different levels of performance and, yeah. and abilities, right? Um, yeah. But that's what it purported to do. Now, to a certain extent, degrees are, are not going anywhere that require it. So for example, if you jump on an Air Canada flight, you don't want the pilot to have decided what he needs to learn or she needs to learn in order to get you from here to your destination. And you're on the having brain surgery. You want there to be some standardization. But whereas that was 85 to 90% of the world before, that's going down to about 40%. Now these are just round you know, guesses sure. in terms of numbers. Yeah. But all that is to say the vast majority of people are the value of a degree because it used to be a key. I'll go, I'll go to Harvard. I'll get my MBA. I will earn $42,000 you know, more per year than a colleague without it. Yeah. That equation's changed. School is far more expensive and the rewards, financial rewards you get for that education are far less. So you're going to see a whole generation of students walking in going, sell me on the concept. Right. Uh, when that starts, what comes out the other end, Chris, is blue ocean. We don't know. We don't know if right. it's uh, membership in a business school, for example, where you don't get a degree, you're just a member of. So mm -hmm. like you'd be a member of the junior president's club or something of that nature, you're a member of the Ivy School of Business. 
Right. And you, and they never graduate you. You're just a member in good standing. And you sort of do it now. Like you can be a member in good standing uh, and called to the bar if you're a lawyer. Right. Uh, right. Medical association. You can have the same dynamic exist there. So right. I don't I don't know how I feel about degrees uh, in certain fields. Um, I totally get it. Uh, accounting, yes. engineering, the person who, yes. who operates on your Medical brain, school. builds your bridge. You certainly yeah. want a, a, a sort of a, a set deck of skills that we know that they have. Um, but for the vast majority of us, and, and especially moving forward, it's going to become an increasingly uh, less important document. Yeah. And I know, I know for us, it was, it was really kind of you, not unique, but it was just coming into the stage when we were graduating. I think we graduated similar times, but that this whole idea of lifelong learning, because that wasn't what we graduated into. Now, both of us, you know, had that, that belief, right. In, 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 as a result of what we chose to do and what we, you know, how many books we've read since we went to school. And, you know, it was quite common for people to stop reading once they went out of school. And now, you know, any of the leaders listening to this uh, podcast would not be, be would, would, they would already be enrolled in this. And that's, that's a really fascinating idea um, about, you know, some type of uh, ongoing engagement, because again, more and more MBAs now are executive MBAs. How can I do this? Take time from my business, take a period of time, go back, take another period of time. And it just, it works so much better than I'm going to go take a year. You know, that's, yeah. that just seems pretty, pretty challenging. Um, yeah. around yeah and it's analogous to it, it is it's the first step it's what it's what i you know you call a, a systemic shift right mm-hmm. this is the systemic shift in this field is to create the mechanisms that are there in order for that to happen so that mm-hmm. people have to say yeah you know what i realize i'm not done and and it's analogous to um you know trying to lose weight so i got yeah. i have a target weight the way we used to be educated, I would diet and, and exercise and hopefully do all the right things. Uh, right. And I get myself to my target weight and then I'm done. Right. But what we're realizing is that the leader of the future has to create these mechanisms for ongoing maintenance and improvement. Because if I right. think I'm done and I stop exercising and eating right, et cetera, I'm no longer at my target weight. And and that realization is a big one for people of a certain generation and is just taken as fact for people in another generation. Yes. The fact is, you know, if you finish school and you start your career, it may not even be the next. You might have three different careers between now and the time that you leave this earth or you might have five. So there's yeah. there's this inherent understanding now that it's just like I hit my target weight. I got to keep eating well, keep going yeah. to the gym keep doing all the right things. For sure. For sure. And, you know, looking out into the future, you know, what, what skills do you see as the real critical ones for, for leaders moving forward? So I, I knew you were going to ask me that question. I tried to narrow it down because I had, you know, as you can probably tell, I could go on. Yes. On this subject, but the one, the one I would say is to try for leaders of the, of tomorrow, leaders of the future, I would really encourage them to take a look at every job as menial as it may be and as complicated as it may be and try and find the purpose. And the more that they can find the purpose themselves, the more they'll be able to help others. It's going to be the difference in attracting top talent. 
it's going to be the thing that drives performance. Right now, 75% of top performing millennials identify their success directly and uh, directly aligned to the fact that they see purpose in what they do. It is the, the silver bullet for a workforce of the future. If you can't, it, you know, in what you've got an organization, student works, you've got an organization that has tattooed on its forehead what the purpose is. Yeah. Create leaders of tomorrow using a tool. That tool happens to be a business that you yeah. know, has got an economies of scale and teach them all kinds of skills, but that's not the end goal. It's not to paint houses. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The end goal is to create uh, young entrepreneurs that will go out into the world and, and probably never paint houses again, but do great yeah. things. Yeah. That's that right there is the silver bullet for leaders of tomorrow. Yeah. So how do they, how do they, you know, stay connected to their purpose? How do they share a purpose in their business? You know, how do they, uh, and you're, and you're right. That is really, we are a purpose-driven business. And I know, you know, that, you know, and, and it's just something, and it's not surprising why we like to hang out so much. You're running another purpose-driven business, um, <laughs> you know, in, in the, in the education and leadership space, you know, so, so it just su- such an alignment. So um, one of the things I'm going to do in the, before the, before the, for our leaders is link, um, your TED talk. Uh, so if anyone wants to hear it, they can, they, they can get it, but anything else you'd like to leave with, with our leaders, any, anything else that I might not have uh, covered or led you towards with my questions? No, I mean, if you're involved in, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you've obviously got an interest in developing yourself. I would say yeah. that, um, as you head out into the future, just remember that, Every asset when overplayed becomes a liability, which means by its very nature, we have to create these systems of maintaining our target weight. We have to have a built into our daily habits, our daily routines, a system that allows us to be doing, you know, efficient work, lots of it, but the right work. And that difference is, you know, is purpose. And so build those things now. They're evergreen. The content that goes into it and the work that comes out of it, that changes and it always will. But you've got to build those evergreen systems. Well, that's awesome. And and um, Mark, any place that our leaders could reach out to you or get information about what you're up to or your organization's up to? Yeah, absolutely. Come visit us at um, Excel Squared Academy. So it's ex2.academy. That's the whole URL. Um, yeah. and, and by all means, uh, my contact information is on there. Reach out to me if you have any questions. You want to talk a little bit about your your career development, et cetera. Happy to do so for listeners uh, of your podcast and a big admirer of what you've done to develop, um, you know, young people and, and give them give them a foundation. They probably learn more by being part of Student Works than they do in the degree that they're taking at school. <laughs> well, well, thank thank you, Mark, and I. And again, obviously, uh, I you know I. So appreciate our friendship and uh, and our opportunities. Like you said earlier, like that skills assessment, right? I know you're, you know, uh, it's really great to bounce things off uh, and look forward again to future future golf and and uh, dinners uh, outside of the uh, this uh, season because it'll it's it's uh, we're we won't be doing it until uh, all this is uh, allowed uh, with the social distancing practices. But uh, but looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Take care, my friend. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, 
you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.